Hi, everyone, and thanks for tuning into our podcast. I'm Sean Maloney, editor of Nutraceuticals World. I'm joined today by Jeff Boutel, CEO of PharmaVite, since August 2017. He's an accomplished executive with extensive CPG and global experience. He previously served as CEO of Beechnut Nutrition, where he led the reinvention of its baby food business. His career spans numerous well-regarded companies, including Abbott, Nestle, and Procter & Gamble. Globally, his general management and brand responsibilities have encompassed 40-plus countries across Europe, the Middle East, and Africa. Jeff, thanks for taking time to talk with me. I appreciate it. It's a pleasure to be here, Sean. So looking at the big picture, what's your assessment of how the dietary supplement industry has evolved over the past five to ten years or so? Well, the I think the biggest evolution over the last ten years or so frankly, has been the number of new brands that entrance into the category. It's, it's, not, it's not unlike network TV. You know, years ago, it was three channels, uh, three major networks, and your UHF or VHF-S local channel. And, and nowadays, you've got hundreds of cable channels. Well, uh, I'd say 10 years ago, you had uh, several major brands, a number of smaller brands, and, and now uh, it's like the cable company metaphor, um, lots of new entrants into the category. On one end, you've got big multinational CPG companies like Nestle, Unilever, Clorox, P&G. They've all entered into the category, and in some cases, they've acquired multiple companies. And then on the other end of the spectrum, you've got a ton of entrepreneurs who have been enabled by uh, technology, Amazon and direct-to-consumer platforms uh, to launch new brands, and there's minimal barriers to entry really into the categories, so you're seeing a lot of activity on that end too. And this activity really has rejuvenated the category. I mean, obviously, with lots of new brands comes lots of new attention, retail shelf space, the the digital uh, uh, kind of virtual shelf space, if you will, but also Vitamins are much more top of mind with consumers than they were 10 years ago, due in large part to all the marketing that uh, you know comes in, in, in behind all of these new brands. And I think you know, COVID has obviously amplified the existing energy and pace of the, the change in the category. Yeah, definitely. So has COVID changed the trajectory of where you believe the industry was headed prior to this pandemic? Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, coming into the year, the, the category has been pretty robust uh, for the past five, six, seven years, um, and it's been growing around between four and six percent, uh, which is uh, uh, you know pretty very strong compared to most other categories in the drugstore, the grocery store, and so we were projecting about a six percent growth rate for this year. But as of today, well, the end of November. Year-to-date, and by the way, year-to-date includes January, February, and the part of March that was pre-COVID still, but year-to-date, the category is up 20.4%. And when you really peel it back a little bit, it's the immune products in particular that are driving that growth, as you might imagine, behind the the, uh, concern about COVID. Vitamin C is up. 70% 70% on a year-to-date basis. Vitamin D is up 40%. Zinc is up 200%. <clears throat> and even melatonin, which isn't uh, usually thought of as directly related to immunity, but obviously sleep and, and, and proper sleep is, is important for that. But melatonin is up 43%. So, uh, yeah, this industry 
uh, like many others, was certainly rocked by the pandemic, but but in a very positive way. And uh, we've seen our, our, our the demand for our products just skyrocket. Yeah. Now, Farmavite is headquartered in Southern California, which has had a tough year between the, the wildfires and the pandemic. What impact has 2020 had on your business and its operations, and how, how have you adapted overall? Yeah, that's a great point. You know, uh, <laughs> there's the, the pandemic's front and center, but uh, you're right. We've had wildfires uh, in, in the area, you know, social unrest. The political scene has been crazy throughout the whole year, and uh, um, you know, as I mentioned before, we we have a, uh, I think, a very special company with a strong strong culture, um, and 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 uh, we were hit pretty hard with uh, uh, rapid change back in March. You know, when the lockdowns across the country sparked panic buying of everything from paper towels to cleaning products to food and vitamins and and so on, uh, our production literally overnight doubled to meet that demand. And so on the business front, we mobilized quickly to respond to meet that rapid spike in demand, which included challenges from securing raw materials to ensuring we had enough shifts at our plants. Um, and, and really, uh, and this is just a testament to our, our, our company, job one was and always has been taking measures to maintain the safety of our frontline employees so that they could help us in meeting the demand of our consumers. We make our own vitamins. Uh, lots of vitamin companies don't. They, they have co-manufacturers do it. We've got a, two manufacturing plants and a uh, warehousing facility here in the Los Angeles area, and then we have a uh, manufacturing facility in, in Opelika, Alabama as well. And so uh, we've got about 1,100 frontline employees, and uh, their safety has, has always been first and foremost for us. And, you know, since the beginning of this, I've, I've always said and maintained that our company purpose, which is to bring the gift of health to life, not only applies to the products we make, but it also means ensuring the wellness and the safety of our employees. So, um, you know, our plants were already safe environments because they're pharma-grade facilities, uh, when it comes to hygiene and cleaning protocols, but we also took extra steps uh, back in in really early March, uh, including severely limiting the number of outside people coming into the facilities, implementing social distancing, uh, distributing N95 masks, you know, straight away, um, and, you know, fine-tuning our safety and our cleaning protocols. Yeah. Sure. Um, for, the, for the employees who aren't on the front lines, maybe, I imagine it must be challenging to engage your, you know, your employees at a, a time of remote work and social distancing. How do you keep people together on mission when they often need to be physically apart? Well, uh, that, that's been the question of the day for me uh, for, for, for many uh, months now, actually. Um, you know, I think the what keeps me up at night as it relates to working from home, and we've got about 400 uh, employees working from home, you know, virtually. Uh, and I think the three biggest challenges really for me is, is maintaining the strong culture that we have, maintaining cohesiveness uh, of our team, uh, and maintaining productivity. And our human resources group really led the charge in, in, in helping us adapt to the virtual mindset by providing you know, coaching and toolkits and 
guides for leading through adversity and ambiguity. Um, you know, the other thing is uh, communication. It's, it's, it's one of the strongest links that binds us together. So when you don't have everybody in the same building where you can literally see people and have conversations, it's really important to have multiple touch points so that everyone knows what's going on. We used to have um, town halls once a month. We've been having town halls every other week. And we've also included Q&A, which is uh, uh, remarkably uh, easy to do uh, on Microsoft Teams. And so uh, we usually allot 20 to 30 minutes for Q&A, and so people can ask literally anything that's on their minds. And we, we myself and my leadership team, uh, provide transparent answers. And we have, got, we have good discussions. And the other thing is uh, I normally have these Java with Jeff sessions with uh, their informal conversations that I have with small numbers of employees. Um, usually back pre-COVID, it's in a conference room with literally with a cup of coffee <laughs> and, and uh, maybe some donuts. But uh, I've been doing those virtually uh, since the pandemic started. And, and instead of, you know, once a month or once every other month, I've been doing them uh, you know, two or three times, maybe sometimes five and six times a month. Um, you know, and it's, it's just a nice way to, to get together with employees and hear what's on their minds and answer questions and just have discussions because the, the biggest, one of the biggest uh, problems, I, I think, with not being in the office is there's just a lot of conversations that aren't being had. It's those hallway conversations. It's, you know, looking across, uh, you know, to the next uh, – uh, cubicle over. We have an open office space, you know, and having a quick conversation with folks. It's, it's, it's much more difficult to do when you're you're working virtually, uh, you know. And, and I'll also say that we've been very mindful of the toll that the pandemic can have on us. Just generally, it's a grind, um, and the stress of our daily lives has been compounded by a number of factors. So we've tried to keep it kind of fun um, and thoughtfully. So uh, I'll give you two examples that. Uh, I, I think are fun. You know, right before the 4th of July weekend, um, at least in the Los Angeles area, it was still pretty much on lockdown, and we were entering into a, uh, a, a long weekend when the, when the health authorities were rightly so, you know, telling people to, you know, kind of stay inside and, and uh, um, you know, be safe. And so I thought, wow, you know, this is July 4th weekend. Usually it's barbecues and, and fireworks and all that kind of stuff, and now people are being asked to stay inside. Well, Disney Plus, right during that, uh, I think it was July 3rd, they released Hamilton. And so um, I literally got on the phone with uh, Alan McNamara, our communications director, <laughs> on, on July 3rd, and um, I had this idea to, to get Disney Plus to all 1,500 employees and, uh, so that they could have something to do uh, over the weekend and on a timely basis, watch Hamilton, you know, July 4th, good message and so forth. And so we pulled it off and literally got an annual dis- subscription to Disney Plus to all 1,500 employees um, overnight. Um, you know, and, and folks had fun with that. And then when Labor Day approached, uh, we sent every employee a, uh, a board game called Ticket to Ride. It's, uh, I had never heard of it before the pandemic, but my, my adult kids uh, uh, had, and they were playing it every single day. And then finally they let my wife and I play as well. So we, we had a lot of fun with it, and I wanted to kind of, 
you know, share some of that with the uh, employees as we entered into another long weekend where people were being asked to stay indoors. So um, we're just trying to find ways to keep connected, keep things uh, a little on the light side, and, and maintain that morale during, uh, during this long, drawn-out, you know, work-from-home period. Sure, yeah, that's important. You mentioned earlier some uh, supply chain challenges in, in procuring raw materials during the spike in the spring. How have you adjusted from the supply chain end of things? Um, do, you, do you think you've met those challenges and been able to adjust well? Yeah, great question. You know, uh, when the panic buy happened back in March and demand spiked uh, overnight, um, you know, and as I mentioned before, production pretty much doubled overnight. Well, you have to get raw materials and ingredients uh, arranged. You have to have the right crewing uh, at the plants, and your planning function needs to be, you know, Johnny on the spot. And I'd say that um, there have been a number of issues that uh, supply chain has faced, but uh, I, I would I would go so far as to say we've got the best supply chain group in the industry. Um, every time we were faced with an issue, they, we adapted, we adjusted. Um, and again, from a production and crewing standpoint, you know, we might have been running, let's just say, one or two shifts five days a week before. And uh, within a month, we were running 24-7 uh, and have been ever since. And so obviously, you have to ramp up in terms of uh, not only, you know, the crewing with the existing folks you had, we had to hire additional people. Our planning folks have been running multiple scenarios to try to stay ahead of and predict uh, uh, what might happen in the marketplace. That's been hard to predict. And then, you know, raw materials. Uh, um, there's been an increased demand for everything from vitamin C all the way to bottles and caps and everything in between. And uh, uh, so when you go back upstream, you know, our suppliers have been having a, a difficult time meeting demand as well. And so um, – we have had our challenges, but no major disruptions because, again, I think we've got a pretty cohesive um, um, best-in-class supply chain organization. Yeah. Um, as it relates to dietary supplements, are you surprised by how consumer behaviors have shifted from the pandemic? You mentioned, you know, something like melatonin um, mm-hmm. demanding increasing so much when people are having sleep issues. Or, or Are you su- surprised by any of that? You know, um, I guess I'm not surprised about the changes I've seen. I'm just surprised at the the rapid pace of, of, of change. So, you know, you mentioned uh, melatonin. What we're seeing is, and when you really step back and think about life as it has been for the last, uh, you know, nine or ten months, um, sleep and stress and immunity are all three very uh, fast-growing segments of the category right now. And uh, I think immune products, you know, every winter, and and, and you know this uh, living on the East Coast, uh, you have cough, cold, flu season, and and that's when you see some seasonality in the business uh, with people buying products like, you know, vitamin C, vitamin D, and zinc, and so on. And... uh, what we're seeing now is not only are people buying a lot of the immunity products, it's it's a sustained uh, uh, demand, but it's also other products as well 
And with the, uh, the advent of, uh, of all the changes that have happened with society, uh, we've seen just a really, really strong growth in uh, sleep in particular, but, but like I mentioned, stress. You know, the other, the other consumer behavior that uh, I'll mention is, is how people buy their products. Um, you know, before the pandemic, 10% of our business was e-commerce. So that's, you know, Amazon.com and then Target.com and Walmart.com and so on. And uh, it, 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 it also literally doubled overnight as people went to the stores less and they uh, were purchasing more things online. And so uh, that's pretty much sustained. Um, it's, it's about 20% of our, our overall business relative to brick and mortar. Uh, and I do see that, uh, expect that that trend is going to continue into the future. I, I, I read somewhere that uh, uh, COVID accelerated the adoption curve of, of, of e-commerce by about seven to ten years, and and I believe it because it uh, it's been pretty massive across the board. Yeah, so it doesn't seem like we're turning around in, in, in to brick and mortar in the future. You think that's that's going to continue on that trajectory. I do. You know, yeah. I, I, I think, um, well, I, even, even with myself, I mean, just this morning I got online and bought a few things from Amazon.com and, and, and uh, one other website that uh, I, I normally would have gone to the store uh, to get. It's just I think people are getting used to it. Um, they're finding that it's convenient. I think obviously that the, the brick and mortar is not going to go away in, in, in certain segments like like fresh food. Uh, people are still going to go to brick and mortar. Um, but you know this is something that uh, as an industry, I'm sure all other companies are are uh, you know considering as well. Um, um, but we 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 certainly uh, have put a lot of uh, resource and focus against um, e-commerce as we move forward into the future. But you know I think. I think also this trend of, that we're seeing in terms of people uh, taking more vitamins and supplements, I think it will continue as well. I think that after a vaccine is widely available and widely administered and as, you know, the concern over COVID abates, I think we're going to see demand for our products abate. I don't think it's going to go back to the pre-COVID levels, though. I think it's going to settle somewhere in the middle, um, probably towards the higher end, I, 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 I believe, because I think what people have really discovered is uh, uh, a real focus not only on immune health, but on overall health. And I think, uh, I think the regimens that people have established during this time will continue to a large degree um, once things become a little bit more normalized. Yeah, and hopefully things become normalized, you know, relatively soon, given everything that's I hope on. so. Yeah. Um, by, by many accounts, we're in the worst public health crisis in a century. What have you learned from this experience so far, either about your employees or from your employees or about yourself? What has this crisis, you know, made clear to you? <laughs> well, you know, they say you learn a lot about yourself and your, 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 your team or, or what have you uh, during the tough times. And um, we learned a lot about ourselves and our company, and I, I couldn't be more pleased. You know, this crisis brought a ton of uncertainty at a very rapid pace, 
And I'm really proud to say that our employees and organization really rose to the challenge. Um, I, I think there's three, three key things that allowed us to successfully meet this crisis head on. You know, the first is having your North Star in place. I mentioned before, we have a company purpose, and it's, 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 the statement is basically we exist to bring the gift of health to life. Um, and we have four operating values, five, you know, beliefs that we hold firm. And, you know, we didn't go to missionstatement.com and, and pull a bunch of canned statements from, from the Internet and stick them on a piece of paper and paste them to the wall. Uh, these are very thoughtful. It, it reflects the culture and the values of this company over the last 50 years. Um, and the organization really lives by it. And, and that's important because when, this, when the stuff did hit the fan, you know, we didn't have to kind of, you know, look about and, and, and uh, you know, try to sort things out on the fly. We already were grounded with who we are and on what basis we are going to make decisions and, and what we're going to do. In fact, uh, we have a COVID-19 task force team that's been meeting uh, at least weekly, sometimes three or four times a week, depending, um, since February. And back when we were in the office, we, in our war room, we pasted, our, our, our purpose statement up on the wall just to remind ourselves that uh, as all of this uncertainty was going to hit us, we knew it was coming, the purpose statement kept us grounded. So having your North Star in place, I think, is, is critical. The second is, uh, you know, maintaining a sense of culture and cohesiveness. As I said, we've got more than 400 employees working from home since March. And I think we've continued to be an effective team because we've utilized technology to maintain that sense of cohesion over communication. Um, and we've pivoted to our, you know, new ways of operating and managing our teams. And then finally, uh, being ready and being agile. Agility is important on an everyday basis, but it's certainly important when unforeseen things happen. And, you know, this crisis will pass. But I can guarantee you something else unexpected will come along. Don't know what, but you know you need to be able to be able to respond. You need to be able to respond to it accordingly and be quick to change and understand, you know, uh, what's happening in the environment. Um, you know, I think what I've learned about myself is that <laughs> working from home is is uh, enjoyable. I, I get to see my family a lot more often um, than I did when I commuted to work. Um, and, um, you know, I could be super productive here in, in, in my home office by myself. But I got to tell you, uh, I love competing. I love competing as a team with a team. Um, it's fun to accomplish things and to win as a team, uh, in particular as a diverse team, uh, which I think brings much value to an organization but also makes life much more rich. Um, and I think my biggest learning is I want to be back with my team. Yeah, definitely. Jeff, thanks so much for talking with me. I appreciate your time and perspective. Well, Sean, thank you. It's been a real pleasure. For Nutraceuticals World, I'm Sean Maloney. Thanks for listening.